Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. I'm Nathan, one of your hosts, and I'm so happy to be joined today by Seth Hanford, the head of school of the Elgin Academy. And Seth, I'm really excited because we actually often interview people who are here in the city and you're in the suburbs. So mm -hmm. uh, even though a lot of people like to say that's the city, <laughs> we really know it's it's uh, Chicago region, but we're excited to have you join us and uh, to share about what uh, what you're doing out there in the suburbs. Great. Yeah, thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so first, let's let's talk about head of school. What does that sure. mean? Is that like a principal? <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like a principal. So we're okay. a preschool through 12 school. Um, okay. And so we have kids all the way from between the ages of three and 18. Um, sure. And so I am the head of the entire school. And then we have uh, directors at the different okay. age levels. So that those are kind of like the principal. Um, this job would be maybe a little bit like a combination of a superintendent and a principal kind of thing. So that's sort sure. of what the head of school does. So three years old to 18 years old is a yeah. huge yeah, man. And, and obviously, like school districts, you know, we're used to seeing that with school districts where they have pre-K. Right. Um, but but usually they're broken up a little more. And so you'll see uh, like in, in my school district back home, it's K through five, or K through four, fifth and sixth, seventh and eighth and then high school. So for you sure. having that huge span of kids in one area was that a, a conscious decision or was it just kind of how it started? Well, it, it, so a, a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, so this, okay. this school, Elgin Academy is, is over 180 years old. So we yeah. were chartered way back in 1839 out, out here in Elgin by the city fathers, basically. Wow. And um, so, but we haven't been that grade range the entire time, obviously. So the, um, our early childhood program, um, is relatively new in the big in the big scheme of things, but we're also a multiple building campus. So if you okay. if you came out here, you would you would feel a little bit like you were in the in a in a college quad kind of for people who have okay. that image, you know, think back to college and sort of that center area of the campus that a lot of places have. So we're a number of buildings surrounding a quad. So while we have um, a lot of, you know, a, a, a wide age range, we are um, spread out across a campus where people are in different places. And there's some yeah. shared spaces, but generally separate by by age somewhat. Do you ever, um, do those kids ever interact, the, the older and the younger kids? Is there any like sort of mentoring or any sort of interaction with those age groups? Yeah, so that's a great question. I, we, we actually think that's one of the great reasons to be at Elgin Academy is that mm. there is a lot of interaction um, yeah. between the kids of, of different ages. So obviously that varies by appropriateness, but there's right. there are shared spaces. So that, that's one way in which people interact. All of our kids go into one of the central buildings almost every day in order to do various things they might do. Even the three-year-olds might go in there to have their art class, for example. So there's casual interactions, which are really cool. And then there's some more formal interactions that take place in um, like what you called mentoring. We have a house system where kids from uh, fourth grade and up are in various houses with kids mm. through the whole span. So there's a lot of chance for kids of different ages to interact, which is a really great thing about being on a campus like this. Yeah. 
is it uh are there dorms there or is it uh so sorry i didn't mean to, so we no, uh, do not have dorms here now um uh one of two of our buildings are actually converted dorms so historically okay. we have had borders we have not had those since the uh late 1970s i think or early 1980s okay. we do have some international students who are here on uh, homestay. So they live with some families. Okay. Um, but we're right now, we do not have a, a specific boarding program like some schools do. Um, when I was learning about Elgin Academy, one of the things, one of the themes there was taking learning personally. I mean, it's yeah. bolded in several areas. And so <laughs> it's one of those things like it really stands out. And so it makes you go, okay, taking learning personally, what does that mean? To Elgin Academy, and what does it mean to the teachers and staff there? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. Thank you for asking that because I think that's such a signature thing uh, yeah. for us. So um, there's there's a couple of different levels at which that happens, um, and it's a little bit more complicated than it sounds in the sense of um, it. W what it's not is you and I are in the same class and you're working on one thing and I'm working on a totally, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. we're in math together and you're smarter than I am and you're working on a worksheet that's, you know, this level and I'm here. That's not really what it means. What it, what it means to us is that the learning that is happening is really based on it, based in relationships. So our classes yeah. are small. Okay. And our teachers know our students and their families. And we really are working in a, in a partnership. Yeah. Right. So if we're in that same math class, um, you know, you you are able you might be working a little more independently than I am. I might need a little bit more of a push. Um, the risks we might be able to take are a little different. You may be working on something and I'm working on something in that concept that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But all of that is based in the knowledge that that teacher has of of who I am as a learner. Yeah. Right. And and yeah. and what my what not only what my goals are, but but what my abilities are and and how well I'm doing. And so the the curriculum, um, while traditional in some ways, can also be shaped by that a little bit. Okay. So it's a good mix of those of those things, we think. And that's what we mean when we talk about what that what it means to learn to really learn personally. Yeah. And I think that. Um... It's tough because I'm sure as a parent, trying to figure out where your kids are going to go to school, uh, where they're going to be educated, make friends, you know, have all these life experiences. There's so many things that you're considering. And I think that every educator wants to provide kids with the best opportunity, but the resources aren't, aren't always there to do that. I know there's, a, I mean, probably most teachers are spending their own money Sure. to resource kids, to, to buy the extra school supplies, to, to do whatever they need to do in order for these kids to be able to succeed. So for you, how do you look at resources and say, okay, how do we determine what resources we're going to provide? And, and do you change that up if you're seeing like, okay, the, they are responding to this or the teachers are saying that's not really, you know, re helping us reach the goals that you have for us? So I think that um, that's a really, uh, it's a fantastic question and a really complex question, because mm. if you think of some of what the struggles are in, a, in, in um, American education, right, one, one of those areas, if I think if we're to be frank, is that we fund as a society education 
through property taxes. And right. as yeah. a, in, in general, that has really obvious ramifications, right? Because, right. because of, of the way tax bases in different places work. Um, when you add on to that, that there's a, a system that is around that, that has to do with elected school boards and things like that, you end up with um, a resource allocation that may or may not serve kids well. And that's nobody's fault. That's really systemic, right? So that's not, a, that's not meant to be a shot on any one system as opposed to another. As an independent school, we can make those decisions about resource allocation. Mm. Um, uh, we are governed by an independent board of trustees. So we're a legal entity. Um, and we are governed by a board of trustees that is a self-perpetuating board of trustees. So okay. there's a nomination process and there's, okay. an, you know, there's a process by which new board members come on. So we are beholden to, to that group, right? So we can't make, I couldn't say tomorrow, hey, you know what, we're going um, to do this crazy curricular thing over here yeah, without, yeah. without, you know, we're governed by a board and we're also governed by the market. Right. So people choose to come here and they pay tuition to come here. Right. Nobody comes to Elgin Academy because they live in that house that you'd see if I turn the camera out that window. Right. Yeah. They go to another school. OK, so we um, if if we're offering something that isn't meeting people's needs, they're not going to come and we're not going to exist because right. that's where our uh, that's where we generate the resources. The other thing I would say to your question is that. As an independent school and as a small school, we can be very responsive to what teachers see in the classroom. Mm. So for this group, if, if this modification to the curriculum is the right thing, our teachers have the power to do that. They don't do that individually. There's different systems like departments and the divisions that I described before, but in general, um, we can make decisions that are based on the level at which they're happening by the people who are in those classrooms every day, okay. yeah. as opposed to at a, you know me making that decision about what's going on right now in the third grade classroom with, right. with a great distance from what's happening there. Yeah, um, That allows us to be really agile and adaptable. And I think that's a really important part of what makes an independent school a good place. So... You had me think of thinking about this, and um, I think it kind of ties in there as well, because I remember from growing up that a lot of teachers felt pressure to perform in the way of standardized testing, right? It's right, like, right. that's how they determined if, if the kids and the teachers were successful. Um, right. And that's a lot of pressure to put on both the kids and the teachers and, and the staff coming around them to to perform on tests when some people just simply aren't good test takers and there's so much information that's like, well, do you teach so that they pass the tests or do you teach so that they learn about life things and how to think on their own and all those things. So for you and, and, and for Elgin Academy, um, has that been something that you've had to deal with? Has it been a struggle or, or how do you kind of see that um, at least through your lens? Yeah. So, so that is another kind of conundrum that's built into the American system because yeah. so much of what 
how we figure out whether schools are good is based on those on performance on those on various standardized tests. Standardized tests are a snapshot, right? So it's the equivalent of just taking a picture of a moment, right? And and that moment could have a million different factors to it, right? right? I didn't get a good night's sleep before. I didn't eat a good breakfast. I'm in a bad mood. Um, You know, I had a, I, I, had an altercation with the kid, with my friend on the bus and I'm bummed out, you know, all of those kinds of things are are very much affect kids because schools are social environments, right? So, so all of the, like you're alluding to all of those things happen. So in our situation, while we do standardize testing at certain levels, we have a way that we use those. So we will use those to say, okay, well, how did you do Nathan last year? How are you doing this year? What's your progress been? Are we, do we see some things we like? Do we see some things where we want to say, boy, we want to, we want to, we want to really put a plan into place to help you move from here to Mm -hmm. here in terms Mm -hmm. of your reading, that kind of thing. Um, So they're, they're, they can be useful when used in that context. Um, For us, there, there honestly is not much of a, of a dilemma there. Um, We know uh, how we want to use them. Um, because we're not getting state funding, we're not obligated to report them anywhere. We can use okay. them the way we need to use them to help kids move along. Yeah. The only exception to all that is is just that the role they play in kids getting into college when you right. get to those 18-year-olds, right? And right. that's an interesting thing that's really changing as co- and COVID has affected that. And right. um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of subtlety to that part of it. But that is a dilemma, I think, for our system, but it's not a dilemma for us. Our teachers don't teach to a uh, to a test except in very, very uh, rare circumstances where our seniors and juniors in high school might be taking an advanced placement test that yeah. could help them have college credit. Okay. So it's not the testing necessarily that is right or wrong. It's just if you're using those in the right way, I think it can be a good thing. I, you know, I, I, I don't know that I would, you know, it, were I, were I an elected official, which I, which I am not, and nobody <laughs> has asked me to be, um, I would, you know, I, I, I don't know that um, I, I appreciate the desire to try to even the playing field so that our schools are um, uniformly uh, serving kids. Yeah. Right. So that's what people are trying to do when they apply standardized tests to measure a school, right? Are the schools in this neighborhood getting the same results as the schools in this neighborhood? Right. I I would rather see our society uh, go at that question by thinking about how we fund schools and how we support schools. I don't know that tests give that snapshot that you want, yeah. that you're tr- what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. But there's, a test is one measure among many of, of how kids are doing. I, so, so as you're sharing that, I'm thinking about the perspective that people have on private schools. Yeah. Um, because you talked about are the schools... Are the kids in this neighborhood doing as well as kids in that neighborhood? And you mentioned that yeah. it's not for you. It's not a neighborhood thing. It's not just the kids that are in your neighborhood coming into your school. They come from all over the world. But, you know, there is this perception that private schools are 
you know, supposed to be better schools. Yeah. Or they're elitist. supposed to be for the elite kids. Yeah. Or, you know, kids of elite parents. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you look at that perspective and, and kind of interact with that? And how does that um, how does that affect the way that you interact with your community and with the people that are your neighbors whose kids may not be going to your school? Yeah. So so we have um, we are very intent here on making this education accessible to anybody who wants to come to a place that has this mission. Okay. So, so we give a tremendous amount of financial aid in any given school year. So we might, we might give an amount that's nearing $2 million in a lot of school years to help make sure that this education is accessible. So we are very committed to that. Our school has been in, in, in Elgin, and, and some people who are listening to this or who will listen to this may be familiar with Elgin and others aren't. It, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastically vibrant um, city of about a, of, of a little over 100,000. Um, and we, are, we have been in this spot in Elgin for our entire existence. Oh, okay. So we're very committed to being here where we are. We're very committed to our relationship with a fantastic city. Um, and, uh, we are very committed to making this accessible to the people who we think can benefit from it. So my point about the neighborhood is just more that, um, we always know as an independent school that nobody comes here because they have to, or because they bought a house in a certain place. Right. Um, but we are, we aspire to be as, um, as accessible as we can possibly be to a, a wide range of socioeconomic and race and, and all manner of diversity. You cannot prepare kids to go into a world successfully um, without having that emphasis. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand. And I think that it's amazing that you provide that level of of resources for kids who may not be able, whose parents may not be able to provide themselves, but they still have that same goal, those same goals and the same desire to, um, to be a part of the community and to do something that's bigger because I know college still is like, okay, you go to high school, you go grade school, junior high, high school, college. But I think, we are starting to see the trend where it's less about like, you have to do it in this order more right. about like, what, what is that kid good at? What are their goals and how do they reach those goals? And that might mean trade school. It might mean mm-hmm. they may not need to go to any sort of secondary school after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so have you seen that trend kind of change in your school and the goals that the kids that are coming there have? Yeah. So that's, I think you're, you're diagnosing really accurately a trend in education in general. Okay. I think our mission is always going to be very predominantly kids who see their next step as being college okay. and almost always four-year college. That's been historically our mission. So it doesn't mean nobody ever goes to a community college. That yeah. would be untrue. Elgin Community College right down the road from us is a fantastic place. And we have kids who go there um, uh, in some years. Most years, though, and this year, for example, 
the, the all of our kids are intending to enroll in a four-year college. Okay. Having said that, um, we are thinking people are being very thoughtful about the college choice, whether to go to college. So we have that conversation more than we had it in the past, okay. right? Is that worth it? Um, you don't have to go, you don't have to search really hard online to find different analyses about what would happen if I took the money I'm going to spend to go to Northwestern for four years and I invested that in my business. Yeah. How much yep. more mileage would I get out of that? Right. So you don't have to get very far on the internet to find those sorts of things. People ask those questions. They also ask questions about is it is a certain it, it, it is paying two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a four year education? Do I need to do that? Or what about this place that gave me more support where it's going to cost me a hundred and I don't need yeah. a loan yeah. or a, um, you know, a, a state school that provides a fantastic program and what I'm interested in, where the cost is going to be a lot less to me and I'm going to come out in a different financial situation than I would yeah. if I went somewhere else. So we see it in those sorts of questions a lot. Yeah. And it's tough because. Uh, you you can understand it from both perspectives where it's oh, like, okay, completely. why am I going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to start working and start working owing hundreds of thousands of dollars? It's like you're right. actually starting from less than zero versus right. Right. I can just start working, use right. whatever money I have to, you know, like you said, invest in something else, whether it be a house, a vehicle to get to work, whatever the case may be. Right and right. start at least at zero. But that, that really isn't the, it isn't the true accurate picture of what that means because for some kids, both those things are gonna be right for, right. for different kids. That, I, I th yeah, I mean, we definitely think that, that, that that's right. And, and, and um, this idea though, that every American kid should go to a four-year college, I, we don't think is necessarily right. I, okay. if, if, so, you know, if, if, if your aspiration isn't college, there are a lot of great places for you. We, we yeah. are right in the middle of a very vibrant and strong school district here. Um, but, but even if Elgin Academy isn't the right place, um, there are right places and there have to be right places for kids for whom college isn't going to be yeah. the next thing. Yeah. Um, from our standpoint, I think what we're really conscious of is that when our kids go off to college, what's going to make them successful so that when they, if they do invest, when they do invest that money in college, um, what's going to make that experience really work for them. So, so there's a whole set of habits and there's a lot of 18 year olds who think they know what they're going to do who don't, right. I'm going to go to college and I right. want to be a doctor and I start taking science classes and I realize I really like this instead of medicine and I'm going to go this direction. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be a lawyer, but I really love this. So that happens all the time. What's going to carry you through all that? Well, it's certain habits like being able to think critically, being able to advocate for yourself, being able to operate within a team environment all of those skills that are really going to make you successful when you get into that career, whether you do that at 18 or 25 because you went to seven years of, of college and graduate school is almost not relevant to that part of it. Yeah. And so we spend a lot of time thinking not only about, you know, what am I learning? What are our kids learning in the biology class in terms of those facts, but also what are they learning about 
being in a group. What are they learning about how to think? What are they learning about themselves? Those are the things that are going to help you make the decisions you're talking about effectively. Okay. That absolutely makes sense. And I'm, I'm yeah. glad that there, that people are really thinking about those things because, you know, I think about, well, what would I do differently? And I mean, you never know, like you said, you never, you, right. there's right. People have plans and, you know, sometimes they work and sometimes they, they don't, and they right. often don't work out at least not the exact way we thought they were going to. So, um, so then, so then the question is, and I apologize for interrupting, no, but then no, right what we think the important part of that is, is what is it that's going to allow me to uh, effectively change course? Yeah. My plan isn't working. How do I know okay. that? How, what do I do when it's not working? What are yeah. the resources around me to help me? What do I know about myself that's going to help me make that adjustment? All of those things are probably more important than any one thing I learn in any one class. Yeah. Because otherwise, what, you know, what good is that knowledge if you, if you don't have the things around it to apply it? That's, that's a great thought. And I think that, um, yeah, you can definitely see people thinking a lot more about those things. And it's funny because sometimes, you know, I see these things where people are like, oh, I, I learned the Pythagorean theorem in high school, <laughs> but I don't know how to do my taxes. And it's like, well, <laughs> unless you're a, a tax accountant or a tax professional, no one knows how to do their taxes, really. <laughs> um, so I think it is like learning that balance of what's important for life and what's important academically and, and kind of integrating that into the curriculum, but then having it be a dynamic one where you're always looking at it and saying, okay, is this still the best thing for these kids? I think right. is, is right. what you're doing is, is really important. I, so as an independent school, our hope is that um, we can get that balance right. And that mm. in the places where we're not, that we can adapt to make sure we are. Okay. You know, that that's part of what our system ought to allow us to do and we what we've done historically. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you uh, about social responsibility because I think one of the really cool things is we're seeing more and more younger people starting to understand what social responsibility is, what social justice is, and, and starting to learn how to integrate that into their own lives and understanding like that person looks different, sounds different. So they are dealing with things that are different than the things that I'm dealing with. And sometimes those things are not because of what they've done, but because of how they look or who they are. And that's not fair. And so for you, do you see this with the kids there? And then how does Elgin Academy kind of look at their social responsibility and act on that? Yeah, so we um, we certainly do look at that as a big part of a lot of things that we actually just you and I just spoke about. You know yeah. that that um, part of coming, uh, part of leaving your education and moving into the world is to uh, have those understandings as you describe them and to understand um, who. Uh, uh, with whom you are interacting all of the time. Yeah. Um, and so we've always been a very, um, a very service based school. So we have a long, deep history of doing what um, has been 
traditionally called in schools community service and and so we've always been deeply ingrained in in the Elgin in Elgin itself and in this region um and even internationally we 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 uh before covid we we had a uh a, a trip that would go internationally over spring break that sometimes wow. you know a third of our high school kids would go on our upper school kids in any one year to help teach english at an orphanage in in places like Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. So all of that service is really, really important. Um, and we're beginning to look like a lot of schools at that uh, in a little bit of a different way and shifting into what is called service learning, yeah. which is is a deeper understanding of not only what, you know, if, if, if somebody's cold and I want to collect coats, that's great. But why what is the systemic issue that prevents them from getting a coat in the way that I was able to go buy this one? Yeah. Right. So, so there's that, there's that element of service. I think even more important than that is there is the element of inclusivity that you're talking about. And this is something we're thinking a lot about here at the Academy and how do we ensure that we are a truly inclusive environment where everybody has the same access to all of the opportunities that it means to go to a place like Elgin Academy. Yeah. And we think that those lessons are very, very important. When, when, it, when it gets right down to it, what our kids need to do, like our all kids need, is to be able to go out into the world and interact effectively and understand. And we reject the idea, people talk about tolerance, and um, you know this is not about tolerating this is about embracing, yeah. and that's a really important, a really important difference. Okay. Um, we we are we are continuing, like all schools, to grow in that way, and that's a, exceedingly important. Yeah, I kind of equate this community service to service learning uh, thing the same way as people look at sympathy and empathy, where it's like community service and sympathy are about okay, I feel bad because I see they that they don't have the same thing, so I'm gonna try and do something to make that better. I'm going to, I'm going to clean up the park or I'm going to say, I'm sorry, or like, sorry for your loss. Whereas like service learning and empathy is more, you're putting yourself in, in their place and you're, you're saying, okay, you know, these outside factors are affecting your life in this way. And it means that you're not getting the same resources and I need to do something about that because my seat at the table is different than yours. And so mm-hmm. I think that from a lot of the different uh, people that I get to interact with, you know, I'm really seeing how people are going from, this isn't like, I'm not doing this because I feel bad for you. I'm doing this because people are not seeing you for who you are and the good that mm-hmm. you do in the community and the good that you do, that you bring to this American zeitgeist where it's like, we would not be who we are as a country and as a culture, if the individual people don't get to be who they are and don't get to have the same resources to be the future person that they're going to be the same way that everyone else does. I mean, I I think that that's, I think that that's brilliantly said and that, um, as a as a school that considers itself and that is we hope really relationship based mm-hmm. um authentic relationships are at the heart of everything you just talked about yeah because yeah. i am if you and i have a relationship i i am i'm going to under i'm going to 
I can't have a relationship with you if I think, well, you don't have X and that's your fault because whatever, right? But, but if we have an authentic relationship where we understand each other and, and, and we, we, are, uh, we truly care about one another, that's a totally different environment. And that's yeah. got to be the basis of everything that, that we're talking about as a society, I think. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, I think that those relationships are definitely cornerstones to that. And I get really excited to hear about kids that are kind of starting to understand that and starting to integrate that into their lives. Because I think that, you know, I have nieces and nephews that are um, Mm -hmm. grade school age, and I get excited when they when things click for them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like that. Like, so, uh, so that's really cool. Um, I want to send Send them to Elgin Academy. Yeah. We can help them. I don't, they're, they're pretty far. They're uh, like <laughs> down by Joel, yeah. So that'd be quite a Oh, that's fine. It's a short drive. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know where all these suburbs are. All the time, so. uh, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, share any last thoughts with us, anything that you want to put out there that we haven't gotten to talk about. Um, and then also to share how people can connect with Elgin Academy and where they can go if they want to learn more. Sure. No, thank you. So, so thank you so much for having us. I think it's what, what you're, uh, what you all are doing in terms of, um, uh, bringing people together and, and, and helping people understand each other, uh, is, is the sort of thing that in, in this time is, is really important. So thank you for, yeah. for everything you do. And, and, um, from our standpoint here at Elgin Academy, like, like some of our, uh, you know, peer schools in the, in the city, that are also independent schools. We we uh, just really remain committed to this idea of being able to be places that bring uh, that bring people together and and help them um, discover in themselves their passions that will lead them into the world and do things like what you're doing and 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 what um, what this world really despo- desperately needs. And so. Um, we really appreciate you having us. And, 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 and the easiest way to find out about us is to go to elginacademy.org on, online. Um, and you'll get lots of resources there that'll help you connect with us. Um, and my name is Seth Hanford. And if you have any questions, you, it's really clear right there how to email me. And, and uh, we'd love to get anybody who, who uh, shares our passion for young people out here to see us and to talk about how we might be able to work together and, and, uh, people interested in joining our community. Yeah. Seth, it's been a great conversation. I, I really enjoyed our time together. And thank, thank you, you for sharing um, the Algen Academy story with our listeners. Um, it's We love talking to educators. I think that they right. are absolutely the most um, underappreciated group. You know, we put them up there with nurses and uh, <laughs> first responders, you know, people who just really I, I hope that they have everything that they need to do their job yeah. and, and I hope that they continue to get resourced and get paid to do those. So yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for, thank you for that sentiment and thank you for, for having me. I really appreciate yeah. it. So do we. Thanks. We appreciate our listeners and we thank you for coming back and listening to this episode. You can find all of our past episodes at www.bridgingchicago.com. That includes season five, which is being released now and our prior four seasons of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. And of course, you can connect with us on LinkedIn by searching Bridging Chicago. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts, under certain conditions, and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.